who uh, doesn't have a Bible? All right. Seth, we got some Bibles. Is this, is this working? All right. For those of you that have Bibles, go ahead and open to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. All right, for those of you guys that don't know what community is, first off, welcome. Um, what Community Elko is, is just a place where Christians from all over the town and uh, non-Christians too, hopefully, <laughs> come here, worship Jesus, hang out together. Um, we worship Him through singing as we did, through prayer as we just did, uh, through the studying of and discussion of His Word as we're going to do, and then through community or fellowship right afterwards. Um, so that's what we're going to do. We're well, uh, glad you came. Um, who can tell me in starting, before, before I start, though, I want to make something. Um, so when I ask questions, nobody's just looking at me really weird. Uh, I'm not Pastor Nate. Uh, so when I ask a question, please, if you can answer it so I don't feel weird and look weird. Um, I want this to be a discussion. If a verse means something to you or you have a testimony with that verse, share it. We're here to grow together, um, not just to, to hear Nate talk. All right? That was a question. Okay? All right, there we go. All right, who can tell me uh, what the book of 1 Corinthians is about? A letter that Paul wrote to who? Yeah, the church in the city of Corinth. And why did he write the letter? Yeah, because they were making a ton of mistakes. What were some of their mistakes? Yes. Sexual immorality. What else? Lying, cheating, what else? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Committing adultery, yeah. Idolatry, huge. They were suing each other. They were getting drunk during communion. They were doing all kinds of stuff, all right? So Paul gets word of this. Um, then he writes them a letter to address this. Uh, remember we talked about idolatry. What is idolatry? Anything before God. Can it be literally anything? It can be a person, a place, a thing. It can even be a ministry like community. It could be very easily for me to make community my God, even though I do this for God. Um, pride could set in, which God forbid that happened. But the Corinthians were crazy heavy in idolatry, right? They were carving little things that represent certain realities that they worshipped. Um, even back all the way in uh, Egypt and Moses' time, you guys remember they had idols made out of gold and wood and everything that represent like the sun or famine or harvest or whatever. So Paul tells them over and over and over again, run from idols. Okay, that's where we ended. Um, then we started kind of a new section in 1 Corinthians called Gospel Mission, and it's basically how to live the gospel in a culture in a city that doesn't believe it, that doesn't care that thinks we're crazy religious wackos, right? Um, that's what we're talking about now, how to live that. Uh, who remembers what Seth talked about last week? Mm-hmm. Communion. What's communion? And Yeah, why do we take communion? To remember what Christ did for us, right? The cup of the grape juice or the wine represents his blood that was shed. The cracker or the bread represents his body that was broken for us. And we do this to remember what he did for us. And that was a command. And um, that's what Seth talked about. He also brought out that uh, communion is not just 
uh, a time where everybody comes together and feels guilty about themselves and, and pities themselves for an hour, but rather it's a time where they come together and they see themselves and their sin through God's eyes. And yes, there's emotion there that causes you to be sad and, and to ask forgiveness, but, but communion is actually a celebration because it doesn't stop there. That because Jesus died on the cross for you, you're not that person that you were. And that's why Jesus said to do it because it helps us remember because we get so busy, and I mean, look at our world with energy drinks and bigger size coffees. We're always go, 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 go. We never stop and just remember uh, as much as we should. So here we go. First Corinthians 10, we're going to start in verse 23. I'm going to do something a little bit different than I normally, normally do today. I'm going to go ahead and I'm just going to read 23 uh, through the end. And then we're going to talk about it. And I'm going to get some feedback from you guys, okay? Um, Paul says, verse 23, All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of your conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If, If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go... Eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my freedom be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I gave thanks? So whether you eat or drink, Or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. Okay, there's kind of a long little passage there. What do you think it's saying? Go ahead and scan it over. Read it again to yourself if you have to. What's he saying? Why well, I'm waiting for somebody to answer that. Remember, we talked about Paul. Uh, the, the Corinthians were asked, they wrote a letter to Paul basically saying, so Paul, um, you know, we have these temples here where sacrifices are offered to false gods and then that meat is in turn taken and sold to the restaurants. And then the restaurants in turn cook the food and turn around and sell it to the people. Can we eat that? Right? And Paul's like, you know, yeah, of course you can. You're free in Christ. Don't let anything that's the Lord's be called unclean. However... remember the big however from paul if it causes your brother to stumble don't in other words if you know you have the freedom in christ to do a lot of different things nowhere in the bible does it say don't smoke cigarettes nowhere in the bible does it say don't drink alcohol it does say don't get drunk it does say take care of your body but just because you have the freedom to do certain things does not always make it mean you should And that's what Paul said. He goes, you know what? Yes, you are covered by the blood of Christ. You have freedom in Christ to do these things. And then Paul closes with, however, if if by eating meat, I would offend my brother, he said, I will never eat meat again. And that's a huge, huge quote considering what meat was to these people. Meat was everything, right? All right. Who wants, does anybody have an idea on what that passage we read means? <laughs> Not just the first verse, but the whole thing. Yeah, so basically, you know, 
Exactly. Jeez, I don't even need to talk. That pretty much covers what I'm going to say. I mean, but, but that's what he's saying here. He's talking about reaching your city, reaching your culture, reaching your community. How can we do that if we don't go out, reach them? All right, Paul's talking about reaching our city for Christ. He's talking about them reaching their city, um, being a witness to them. He shows us again, as Seth brought up in the first verses, that we have this freedom in Christ. We're covered in grace. We have the freedom to do certain things. Um, but he also talks about, are they, is it good to do that? Should you be doing that? What, what's going on here? And something interesting, he talks about something in these verses that, um, we have, and it's a gift from God that we have, and it's a gift that the Holy Spirit uses. Do you guys, did you guys catch what that was? He's, I read the word probably seven or eight times throughout that. It starts with a C. Conscience. All right, we have a conscience, okay? What's a, what's a conscience? That little thing that just kind of gives you that feeling, right? Now, if you're a Christian, we, we like to, you know, the Holy Spirit is essentially our conscience. We, we, we let God direct us and lead us as we approach certain things, and we listen to our spirit when certain situations come up, and we make judgment calls based on our conscience, Right? Our conscience is the, the thing in our lives and minds that guides us and directs our actions and allows us or forbids us from doing different things. All right, an example of your conscience is when something comes up for you to do or somewhere to go and you say, just as she said, there's just something not right about this. I don't feel right about that. You know, or you meet somebody and you're, you shake their hand and you just, you're just like, something is not right, Okay. Um, I don't think I should go there. Or I don't think I should do this. Um, so basically, we established that we all have a conscience, right? Who's, who's had their conscience speak to them before? Yeah, I think so. By the way, I'm sweating like a mad dog. So don't look at my armpits <laughs> right here. Um, we have a conscience. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, what? Dark shirts, yeah. Oh, okay, I'm nervous. I think one thing that we remember, though, as Christians, if you're not careful, the Bible says, come, come out of the separate. And if you're not trying to walk, to walk and talk and talk, going to movies, doing things that you know you shouldn't do, it's like building calluses on your hands. Yep. Desensitized. You end up getting pulled down by the world. Yep, that's, that's exactly where we're going with this, okay? We all, we all admit that we have a conscience, right? Here's what's absolutely critical. Who controls it? You? 
Does the, is, are you a born-again Christian? Have you accepted Christ? Does the Holy Spirit control your conscience? Can you imagine going by our own conscience without the Lord? The Bible says the heart of man is, is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Can you imagine if that was what was guiding you? The critical part, you guys, is that in order to be an effective witness for Christ, the Spirit has to be inside you. The Spirit has to be the voice of your conscience. Without it, it's, you're going down. You will not. Um, it won't work out. <laughs> um, here we go. We have a conscience. We need to use it. We need to have the Spirit controlling us. All right. We're going to kind of do a side note to a side note here, talking about reaching our city, okay? Christ calls us to be a light for Him in a world of darkness, and He's given us that conscience or the Holy Spirit to help us. Okay, notice in the middle toward the end of this passage that Paul says a couple different times that our entire focus is to be the good of others, not the good of ourselves. And at the very end, he says, so what? They may be saved, right? So you're not out there in the world being a light for yourself. You're not out there in the world making sure people see you so that they can be like you. You're out there in the world shining a light so that people can see you and see right through you and see Jesus. That's what we're talking about here. He says in the section, not for my, um, not for my conscience sake, but theirs do I do and not do a lot of certain things. So just because we may have the freedom in Christ to do certain things, you have to put the other person before yourself, right? You go, here we go. You go out to lunch with an unsaved buddy of yours who um, you know has a drinking problem. Okay. Do you have freedom in Christ to order a beer with your burger? Yes. Of course you do. Is a beer sin? No. But suddenly you step back and you say, wait a second. All things are lawful. I have the freedom to. But is it helpful? Is it loving? Does it help them? Yeah. Is it going to build them up? Is it going to show them that you love them? Right? Especially if he has a problem with it. Uh, like, say, a problem with alcoholism, would you just crack a beer and, oh, freedom in Christ! You know, I highly doubt it. Okay, because all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful, and not all things build up. Okay, we're called to be a light for Jesus. And um, let's see here, I'm going back to my notes. Our goal is to be an example to others. We are not created, and I thought this was kind of cool as I was as I was studying for this, we're not created to hog the gospel. You ever thought about that? Like how often that really happens, especially in our own lives? You're not created to hog the gospel. Okay? You're not supposed to go to church, get inspired, go home, sit, be pretty much essentially worthless, just praying for the rapture to happen because you're so stinking bored. (laughs) Yeah. Right now, what what is essential if Jesus calls us the light of the world? What's essential for us to to function as the light? What does light do? Yeah, it, it's to be seen, right? It shines out. It gives people sight. It gives people guidance, right? So, what good does it do if we're the light and we go sit in our house? Who who's seeing that? Anyone? Did, did Jesus come down to earth and go sit in his house? We're supposed to be like Jesus, right? 
I mean, he's the one. It doesn't matter anything that I say. It matters what God says. And it doesn't matter what I do. It matters what God did. Jesus was our perfect example. Somebody open up here. Matthew 5. Go Matthew 5.13. A lot of you know where I'm going with this, but it's absolutely critical. And while you're going there, I'll just say again, you know, we, we need to get out into our culture, into our city. We need to have the Holy Spirit living inside us. Remember we said that the biggest problem in our lives is a worship problem. If we're worshiping the true and living God, Jesus Christ, right, then there's no way that we're going to be covering our lights and not telling somebody. Seth said something in his one podcast. He said, you don't truly believe the gospel until you're compelled to share it. I thought that was so awesome. Think about that. You don't truly believe the gospel until and unless you are compelled to share it. Because the gospel is good news, not to be hogged by you. All right, we got to get out there. We got to invite friends. How, how are we seen by the world? Think about that. When you go out into the world as the light of the world, how are you seen? Some of you say, well, you know, I, I don't know if I'm really seen by the world. Oh, you are. Like, like John said, you're seen no matter what. And it's very important what they see. Okay. Did you have your hand up here? Yeah, there's definitely persecution in that, for sure. Most definitely. Um, now, here's where we, we kind of slow down, Kate. Okay? We ask the question, how are we seen by the world? Well, we have to engage with them, right? We, we have to witness. We have to... I always think of John when I think about witnessing. Gosh, I don't know if there's anybody that's ever met him, not to praise him or anything, that doesn't know the gospel. I mean, he's seen by the world. And I guarantee you, I know what they see. Because he doesn't talk about himself. He talks about Christ. Okay? We can't be a light for Christ shining to people if we're not seen. If we don't go into our community and reach out. If we don't in, you know, invite our unsaved friends over to our house for dinner. Be hospitable. Jesus ate countless meals with sinners. Right? Here's where, here's where we have to be careful. We do invite them over, but we have to be so careful that we're living for God in such a way that we're not going to fall into sin with them. It's hugely, hugely important, you guys. You, that's where your conscience comes into it. And if the Holy Spirit is guiding it, your buddy says, hey, man, uh, you're unsaved, buddy. Hey, we're going to go down to Maddie's, shoot some pool, hang out, get some wings. You know, this is where you say, okay, you know, is it, do I have freedom in Christ to do that? Yeah, I do. You know, do I know myself enough where I, I'm pretty comfortable I can go shoot pool with them at Maddie's and not get totally plastered and then end up down like 4th Street somewhere I mean, you literally have to, you have to go through these things. Where are you at with Christ? And go out accordingly to that. If you used to be a drunk or you used to struggle with alcoholism, you probably won't go chill in the bar with them because you're like, you know what? I, I found Jesus. I was delivered from that. Yes, I want to be a witness to my friends, but I just don't know if I'll be able to resist and not sin as I do this. Do you guys see what I'm saying? then you just, you don't go. You say, you know, guys, thanks, but I'll hang out with you on the next one. There's a lot of people in here that could say, yeah, you know, I, you know, I don't, I don't have a problem with alcohol at all. You know, I could definitely go to Maddie's, hang out with them. And I'm, I'm very confident in Christ that I'm, I'm not going to sin, that I can be a witness to them, that I can stand up for what's right. Um, you know, that I, that I know what lines not to cross as I'm reaching out and showing them that something is different about me. Right. All right, who wants to read uh, Matthew 5, 13? Go for it, dude. 
You are the salt of the earth. Well, basically it says, what good is salt if it loses its flavor? It's good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled under the feet of men. I think that's really intense if you think about it. Like, we are the salt of the earth, he said. And if we lose our flavor, we're good for nothing. Nothing. Who wants to be good for nothing? Now, I'm going to throw out something that I kind of thought of, okay? How in the world does salt lose its flavor? Do you guys have any idea? I started thinking about that. I'm like, salt is salty. Like, if I dump salt on... No, I'm serious. This is my thought process. I'm being real with you. Salt is salty. If I dump a lot of salt on my food, it's going to be salty. How do I make salt not salty? What if, how do I make it lose its flavor? I can't dissolve it in water because then I have salt water, water that tastes like salt. Do you guys know what causes salt to lose its flavor? No, well, it has to do with the elements. Impurities cause the salt to lose its flavor. I, I, now, this is crazy to me. This is, I see where Jesus is going. Okay, you guys know what salt was used for back then? Every, I, I mean, everything. Right? They don't have refrigerators, right? They pack meat and salt to, Jason said, preserve it, right? Salt, salt is essential for so many things. It preserves things. It's essential in our bodies. Our bodies need salt for a lot of different things. It contains minerals that our bodies need. Salt uh, is good for healing, right? I, I remember, um, I don't even know who it was, but for some reason when I was thinking about this, I remembered somebody had like a toe injury and they were told, go soak their foot in salt. I'm thinking, ow, but it brings healing. When you guys get a cold sore, a canker sore in your mouth or a sore throat, what kind of water do you swish? Salt water. Okay, I, just, I start coming into this and realize Jesus says we're the salt of the earth. Okay, but what would cause us to lose our flavor? Impurities. Do we have impurities? I mean, think about that. This just just... It just totally threw me for a loop when I'm thinking about this. Gosh, simple impurities. In our lives, it could be sin. It is sin. Things we struggle with. We're not pure for Christ. What good are we if we don't confess our impurities and ask God to forgive us of our impurities? What, what good are we? Nothing, right? I just, I, yeah, I just, I couldn't get over the fact that Salt was so useful, and Jesus was talking to them. This is the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through, geez, I think 17 or something like that. Don't quote me. But he uses something that they know all too well. You guys are the salt of the earth. You guys are. I am. We have to get the impurities out of our lives. Otherwise, we're good for nothing. Okay? Um, we live in a, I, wrote, I just wrote a thought down here. I put, we live in a sick, evil world full of filth and darkness. Think about it. Have you ever stopped to wonder if maybe we have something to do with that? We're the salt of the earth. Why? I mean, we, oh man, the world's so evil and dark and bad. Whose job is it to do something? Ours, right? That's what Jesus just said. You're the salt. Get out there and flavor it up. Seriously, I mean, that's what he's saying. What a, I mean, get out there, preserve, give people hope. Give them healing. It's, it's kind of a funny analogy, but boy, it hit these people right in the heart. Guarantee, as it should hit us. Okay, We're, we are the salt of the earth, designed by God to be a witness for him, bringing healing to the world, bringing hope. And, as I said, and you laughed, a sense of flavor. A little bit of something. Right? Darkness is lame. 
We need, to bring, we need to flavor this up. Give people the hope and joy of Christ. There's such joy in salvation. The world doesn't even know. We have to tell them. All right. Uh, let's see here. Basically, I, just, I have before I keep going here, just a question. Have you ever really, really thought about the impurities that would cause us to lose our flavor? Who wants to read 14 through 16? Go ahead, nice and loud if you can. Right, I'm going to read that again for sake of podcast. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket to hide the light, right? But they put it on a stand so that it gives light to all the house. Um, In the same way, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify God who's in heaven. Okay, we talked about earlier the purpose of light. It's to give people sight, a sense of direction, some guidance, a little bit of safety. Countless times have I got up in the middle of the night and jacked my pinky toe on the side of the bed for one reason, no light. It's always the pinky toe, by the way. Have you noticed that? I think my big toe could take it, but not the pinky. It's devastating. A guy of my caliber goes down pretty hard. I'm not going to lie. But if I had light, could I just move my foot that five millimeters to the left that saves me two hours of pain? Yeah. Do you guys think there's people going through the world that if they had just a tiny little bit of light, that their entire lives could be different? Who's the light? Where are you? Where are we? Why aren't we out there shining for them? We go home. A lot of times it's to our houses or even to our churches that we go to. And that's our basket that covers our light. And then we open up the church door freak out, sprinter run to our car. That's our next basket. Then, you know, we don't go out to eat with the church. Oh no, we jet home to our house, which is our big safe basket. Right? You guys see what I'm saying here? What good is light if it's not shining? He just told them people don't light lights and cover them up. They put them on stands up high so that people can see them. That's us. We're the light of the world. Okay. Um, Let's see here. I just put a little note here that was convicting to me. It says, I was kind of talking to myself, shining your light at church isn't enough. I think it's easy for us to do that. We go to church, we get in our our little comfort zones, right? And we're all like, oh yeah, I can totally talk about God here because I'm good. But as soon as it comes down to it, we're completely ashamed. Completely ashamed of God in front of the people that need to see it the most. Right? That, That was so convicting to me. It's like, man... You know, yeah, I can stand up here and talk about Jesus all day long at community, but what about the guy at Walmart when, um, when I leave here and I go shopping? What about then? Am I just done talking about Jesus because community's over? Are we? There's people out there lost, guys, about to trash their toe. And when these people trash their toe, it doesn't heal like ours. It scars them for life. And I use stub, a to- stub your toe analogy because it's simple and easy, but I'm talking tragedies in life, you guys. Things that happen, unsaved people, they, they, they lose somebody, right? One of their family members dies, okay? They need some guidance. They need some hope. They need some healing. Where are we? Jesus said it's us. Believe me, if he was down here on earth, he would be there. <laughs> he's, up, he's up there getting ready to come back, and he says, until I get back, it's you. 
you guys got to go. All right? Uh, let's see here. Basically, it sums it all up in this. Live for Jesus. Get your light bright. Jesus is the light, you guys, not yourself. Okay, live for Jesus. Get out into culture, into the world, and be different. When, when, you, when you walk into Maddie's to shoot pool with your buddy and his unsaved friends, there's something different about you. There, you know, you're not swearing. You're not getting trash. You're not telling the sexual, disgusting jokes that everybody else is. You're not, you're not partaking of that. You're there. You're being in the world. You're being a light. They notice something. And have you ever noticed as soon as people notice there's something different about you, the first thing they do is put you down for it? Even your friends, quote unquote. Oh, I thought you were cool with us, man. Just have one beer. You know, I thought you were awesome. I was like, no, man, you know, I am. I love you. I am cool with you. I want to hang out with you. I want to be here with you. But I just, you know, I don't. I don't do that. It's, you know, I'm not judging you. I'm not hating you. I'm here because I love you, man. That's being a light for Christ, okay? Um, here's where I uh, kind of tie this into community. And uh, we're getting close to the end here. I know some of you guys are like, are you kidding me? Normally you're like three hours. No, we're going we're gonna to close it up here. What's brighter, a one-candle power light or a 20, 20 one-candle power lights in a group all shining the same direction. What's brighter? The 20, right? Okay. This group, you guys, is a whole lot of lights. If we don't live for ourselves, if we can get together, if we can all bring our light and lift it up high. He just said, a city that is set on a hill can't be hidden. If we're not covering up our light, you guys, and we all come together, you actually think there won't be change in this town? There's not a whole lot of lights up on hills in Elko, guys. There's not. We're supposed to do it. And it's not about your one light. It's about coming together as community. The entire book of Acts talks about community and fellowship and not forsaking the gathering of yourselves together. We have to shine this light to people, you guys, so that people can see the hope. Somebody read verse 16 for me. This goes right along with this. Nice and loud if you can. Somebody who hasn't read. Still in Matthew 5. This answers the question, why? Why? Why do I have to go out? Why can't I just go to church and go home and be saved and Wait for God. Why are you telling me I have to, to reach my community? Why? Somebody read verse 16, nice and loud. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father. Okay, here we go. There was a command, right? Let your light shine before who? Men. Not just men, men and women and everybody, but it's plural here. Be seen. Don't hog the gospel. Go into your community and be seen. Let people see a difference, right? Because there's not a whole lot of light. And if they see just a little bit, and that light is you and me, if they see that, they're going to run toward it more than half the time. You don't even have to do the work. I can just think of people when you go, you go out and there's like, man, I'm just torn down. There's something different about you. Before you know it, you're praying with them. I mean, John can tell you all about that. He shot somebody running up by Walmart, ends up praying with them like, I mean, who does that? <laughs> you know, you're a thief. Stop. I shoot you. Before you know it, I'm praying with you at the hospital. Are you kidding me? That's light. 
Yeah, he heard him first. I'm not saying go shoot people and then be like, now I'll pray for healing. You're going to need God on this one because I'm a good shot. No, no. I'm talking about letting them see that hope. There's something different in you. There's something different in you. All right. Why be involved? Because we have to. Sometimes we, you know, we have a lot of churches here in Elko. Um, Sometimes we wonder, how in the world are people not getting saved? Why aren't they being saved? Well, it's hard to save people when all the Christians go to church and go home. Right? I mean, we we have to get out there. We have to do something. I'm going to talk about something that I would like us to do as a group as soon as I'm done, that's going to be putting this into practice. We wonder why people aren't giving sa- getting saved. It's because we're not out there shining our light. They have to have something to see. Jesus said we're it. All right? All right, here we go. We're going to close it up. Um, shine your light so what? They can see your works, the things you do, how you handle yourself, the things you say, how you react to things when they come up to you and they flip their cell phone around and there's that porno picture that everybody's been looking at, what do you do? Oh, dude, beam that to me. Use your Bluetooth so I can share it with everybody else. Is that what we do? We, you know, we, we say no, but when no one's looking, when you're on the bus, I, I remember working at Barrick. Josh can testify to this. Buses are crazy. Things go down on buses. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, the garbage that I saw on the bus on the way out to the mines. What do I do? Dude, no, man. (laughs) You know that's not what I do. First thing I always told them, man, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. They're astounded. I remember, I'm just going to tell you guys a story, and please, I'm not not puffing myself up by this. I praise God for this, that this happened. I was out at Barrick working with uh, a, a bunch of guys in the lab out there, right? And uh, they, they all started getting together and talking about how many girls they slept with. This was, this was a, a topic of pride. They're like, oh, man. One of the guys was like, oh, I'm going to need both my hands, both, both my feet, all your feet. Man, because that's how I roll. I'm amazing. And sure enough, here it comes. Nate's turn. Right? They're like, so, man, how many, how many of you bagged? And they're all just degrading, degrading women. How many of you bagged? How many notches do you have on your belt? I was like, oh, man, I'm going to need, like, four fingers less on this hand. And they were just looking at me. And I was like, yeah, that's about it, just one. And they were like, yeah, right, that doesn't happen. I'm like, no. I've, I've been married one time to one girl. I've had sex with just her. It's been five years, and I still love her. And they're just like, yeah, right. Oh, whatever. That's not true. Sure enough. Okay. Yeah. You know, I was a little bit, little bit set back, but I, I don't really care about that because I, I'm honestly, I'm proud. I am. I can say one girl for life. That's it. Sure enough. Here I go walking back to my thing. One of the guys comes up, grabs me. He's like, dude, I wish I could say that. Whoa. I, I, I just wanted to cry. Like, I, I really did. He was the one who was talking about how many hands and feet he needs. He comes up and he goes, I really wish I could say that, and I want to tell you I respect that. Is that not light? Okay, I mean, and again, I'm not puffing myself up, you guys. That, that's just a small example of how Jesus could get a tiny portion, just a little bit. He'll never forget it. I see him all the time in Walmart now, and I always tell him, I'm praying for you. He knows it. Okay, that's what we're supposed to do. How are we supposed to do that if we're not out there with these people? Fire away.
That's that's awesome. And we have to remember too, you guys, like it's not all just pie in the sky, ice cream easy. There's persecution involved in it. There is. Jesus straight up said they hated me. They're going to hate you. Yeah, and guess what? Once you endure that, there's another reward at the end of it. Okay? It's really convicting. I'm going to say it again because of the analogy he just used. You don't really believe the gospel unless you're compelled to share it. Think about what the gospel did for you. That you can spend eternity in heaven now. If you really believe it, you're not going to hog it. You can't. There's no way that that kind of saving power can just you can just lock away. Okay. Yep. That's what it's all about. Yeah, we... We talked about the biggest problem in your life being a worship problem. Martin Luther said you can't break any of the commandments unless you first break one of the first two. 
which is you shall have no other gods before me and don't create any, any false god. Basically, don't carve any images, right? If you worship the true and living God, Jesus Christ, on like you just said, a personal, intimate level, and he is on the throne of your heart, it won't even be a problem because you're living for, for God. It's going to come out of you. Here we go. Last thing in closing. First Peter chapter 2, two verses and we're done, I promise. First Peter chapter 2, verse 11 through 12. And I'm going to read it. I just want you guys to follow along here to make sure that I'm not making stuff up. <laughs> I wouldn't, but you never know. Is everybody pretty much, pretty much there? All right, here we go. Here's what it says. And this is from the NIV. I thought this was just an amazing translation of this in context of being a light in a dark world, being salt to a dying and flavorless world. Here's what it says. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Think about that. How, how powerful is that? How is that not something that we just want to live by? It just, it, I, just, I read it over and over again. And just notice, it doesn't say, live such good lives amongst the people in your church and only people that you're comfortable with as you sit in your house. Did it say that? It said, live such good lives among the pagans. We're supposed to go into the world. Right now, go back to what we said. Be careful. Make sure Jesus is on the throne of your heart as you go. Listen to your conscience and the Holy Spirit as you make decisions, but shine your light. Right? Why? Live such good lives among the pagans that even though they accuse you of doing wrong, persecution happens to everybody all the time. Somebody says something against you. Even though they do that, they can see your good deeds or what you do, how you respond how you react, and do what? Glorify God. Isn't that the whole, the whole point? Why were we created? To glorify God. That's it. It's as simple as that, guys. We are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We got to be flavoring up our city and lighting up our city so we can see people saved and changed for Christ. That's the whole goal. It's not so that people can be like, oh yeah, you know, Seth was, is so awesome and I think he's a good person. No. It's so they can say, you know what? I remember that Seth loves Jesus. And he's always talking about him. And he, he's never putting people down or trying to hurt people. It's always, why is it so much Jesus coming from that kid? Maybe because we need him. Maybe because if it wasn't Jesus coming out of our mouths and, and, stuff, and stuff like that, maybe it would be a whole lot of us and it would be tearing people down and, 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 you know, I don't know, gossiping about people or saying hateful things and puffing yourself up. Jesus is exactly what we need to replace that stuff with, guys. We can't expect to change our community or see people changed and saved for Christ if we're not out shining our lights, right? So let's pray, guys, and then we'll, we'll worship. God, I thank you so much, Lord, for who you are, what you've done, Lord. Uh, 